Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hey, Christy. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Catherine? <laughs> I'm doing good. I see other people can't, but you are in your van on a road trip, right? Um, yeah, we're on a road trip on our way back from Patagonia back to Emporia. So we'll be back in Emporia for a while. So was in Patagonia for the last eight days getting our um, new gravel house ready. I actually think I can actually say that out loud. You can go and book it now on Airbnb. Awesome. I know. That's awesome. I'm, I've been, you know, do you know I've been chatting with Heidi after we did the podcast interview about potentially a Girls Gone Gravel camp? I know. You chat with everybody afterwards. I'm like, I feel like I can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So many great collaborations. But I think that's one of the fun things about women in cycling is like, we just like to come up with ideas about how to make things fun for everybody and bring more people into the fold. We are constantly straightening each other's crowns. I just love that. Like, yeah. let me lift you up a little bit. Here you go. Let's do this. Let's be amazing. Allie Tetrickism. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I put my big girl chamois on today. Another Allie Tetrick. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's, it's uh, the gravel house is uh, officially launched and um, people can check it out for sure. Airbnb, and then you can go to gravelhouse.com, thegravelhouse.com. Cool. So that project is up and going, and we can talk about that more later. It's actually totally impromptu. Like I didn't even mention that we were going to talk about that, but that's what we finished up in Patagonia. So, Well, I saw uh, the pictures, and it was super cute, and I'm going to work my way down there soon. Yes. I hope. That's, seriously. But maybe not in the summer because it sounds hot. It's not. That is what is so crazy. Um, 
you know, it's in the morning, it's like 55 to 60 degrees. Um, oh, you're like, up at, are you higher up? Yes. We're up at elevation. So you've got to, you do have to go do your ride in the morning. You need to be done by 10 or 11. Um, but that gives you a full four to five hours of riding time. And then afternoon, chill out, have a beverage, check out the downtown, you know. Wait, isn't it like three buildings? We have, oh, the downtown of Patagonia. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than three buildings. It's like five. <laughs> but um, no, Patagonia is a rad little town. And the, the shops there are cool. And then plus you've got a cool little like dive bar. Of course, COVID is still you know, it's still our friend. Yeah. Or enemy. I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Who so, knows? I guess they're, they're learning more and more every yeah. day. So yeah. yeah, I think we need to, you know, the girls gone gravel podcast birthed in COVID. For, we've done a lot <laughs> since COVID. I know. Came out. I mean, we have, I've been impressed. We have over 750 women on our Facebook group now. And, and it is a strong a community. Yeah. It's not like, you know, like you're on some Facebook groups and they really suck. It's yeah. just not like people are asking questions. Like today I saw a woman that posted a photo and she was like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for everybody's advice. I just got my new bike based on the conversations I had in this group. And, um, it's like, and people like Allie Tetrick and Laura King are in there and Laura's very active. Allie will like lurk and like things now and then. So yeah. Yep. It's very active little group of, of women and it's been really fun to see. I, I just think women are really good at building community. And so it's fun to have uh, we're natural to have it. Like we can actually, we can actually birth the community. So yeah. how can we not build it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I got to hang out with um, my community, my local friends last Friday, which was fun. It was first time we realized since March, six that we had been together um we are we are all systems go in georgia but um we actually went um my friend her daughter's school organized a protest kind of down in one of the neighborhoods where we knelt for nine minutes and her they adopted an african-american daughter um, at birth so white parents black daughter and she's been really scared around this time because i mean when you're 10 and you're seeing everything going on. It's really scary, right? And so uh, we went to the protest, like our whole group of friends. And she was like, all these people are here because they support me. And it was just, it was a cool moment um, to kind of see her there and like think about the future that she can have because of all the things that are really hard and stink right now. But, you know, as we work through this, where she can go. So that's just an amazing story and yeah. I think it's um thank you for sharing that <clears throat> because I, I just I think that that's where um my heart feels like it's broken in a million little pieces right now yeah 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 it's yep. been an emotional time and um we are actually going to coming up <laughs> She just agreed to this, but our podcast, not this episode, hopefully next episode, our podcast producer, Taylor, um, is going to join us for a conversation. She, um, she is uh, mixed, so 
I can't remember her dad. I think her dad is black and her mom is white, but I could have that wrong. But, um, but anyway, she's just been doing a lot of leadership with Live Feisty, the company that produces our podcast, kind of leading way on these conversations. And we just asked her if she would join us at less of an interview, more of a conversation of how we can create the right kind of, what, what are the things we can do in Gravel to create a more inclusive space? So we're excited about that, but we also had a really great conversation um, with today's guest kind of around some of those things, um, just in a different a stance, just from her background as a professional cyclist. So you want to yes. tell us about today's guest? Cause it's another friend of yours. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Olivia Dillon, um, I've, I've met obviously through gravel cycling. I actually met her through Velocio, which she is the director of sales with. And, um, Velocio, if you're not familiar, you should be, um, from many different perspectives, but one, just how authentic and genuine that brand is. And Olivia has been with them from very, very, you know, pretty much the get go. Um, but Olivia is a former pro cyclist and, um, just a amazing human being. Her wife, um, Taylor Wiles is still on the pro scene racing bikes. Um, they completed their own DIY, uh, gravel DK edition, um, at Taylor's prompting. So it's kind of rad to listen to her talk about that a little bit, but it's just a great podcast. I was really, um, inspired by it and I'm so glad that she joined us. Yeah, it was really fun to hear uh, her and just her experiences. She's, I think she first started racing pro like she said in 2006. Maybe I have that wrong. So just like, and now Taylor racing pro, just the things that she's seen develop in the women's side. And then just also Velocio and how they've committed to human rights as a company, this very small brand. So I think everybody's really going to enjoy this episode with Olivia Dillon. So we'll stop talking and we'll get to it. Well, hold on before we go. Your cat makes an amazing. <laughs> oh, appearance. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot. I totally forgot about to, that. You have to warn listeners that not only, I mean, get past the intro because we've got the cat knocking down a salt shaker or we some had, sort. Of. We had all kinds of like technical issues today when we were recording the podcast. Christy's Skype froze up, and then my internet was running slow, so I had to get really close to the Wi-Fi connector, which I'm never in this room, and my cat jumps up onto um this really tall tv stand and knocks off an antique salt shaker like my great grandmother's antique salt shaker and it's really heavy it's not like one of those um flimsy glass it's like that old heavy glass and it just you goes achoom right at the beginning of the podcast and we all just went <laughs> and i was like well we're rolling with it let's yeah. do it <laughs> so i guess taylor you don't have to cut this out and then you can't see it but in the middle of the podcast the cat jumps up onto my standing desk and is just walking all over the computer and I'm like please don't hit the yeah. record button please don't hit the record button all I can say is that I got a full butt shot of the cat <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. those are light moments for some serious times it was it was an amazing podcast yes so see if you can tell when the cat jumps on the computer in the middle of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right for real though this time we're going to get to our interview with Olivia Dillon That was the cat. <laughs> this is awesome. 
Good <laughs> way to start a podcast. We have. Are you recording? I hope you're recording. Yeah. This is the way we do it. Hey, I'm Christy Moan, <laughs> and I'm here today with Catherine Taylor. This is amazing, Catherine. You can take it from here. <laughs> yeah. So we hit the record button, and behind me, my cat just knocked this antique salt shaker off into the floor on um, the TV stand behind me, and it made a loud crash. But um, we are super excited to be here today with Olivia Dillon and to hear more from her about her long career with professional racing and the work she's doing um, now with Velocio and all kinds of other things. So Olivia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you, uh, Catherine and Christy. Great to be on. Well, Olivia, I, I know Christy knows you, as she knows most of our guests, but I did a little bit of research on you, but I don't know a ton about your background, except for that you have an amazing accent. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about you and kind of your history with cycling and accent, your accent. <laughs> but it's not Canadian, as we learned. Um, well, it's super funny that you think it's amazing because anyone in Ireland would just say, you know, I sound totally American, so, um, but I'm glad some of it still comes through. But yeah, I've been in the U.S. over 20 years now, so it gradually keeps fading. Uh, but every time I come home, go home to Ireland, it, it does pick back up again. So, um, yeah, so you were asking. Yeah, tell us about your story, kind of how you got into cycling um, and just where are you, you know, give us your 20 year history, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I didn't read, obviously growing up, I was in Ireland and uh, I went to college in Ireland too. Super into sports um, always. Just, um, volleyball was my main one, but played soccer and ran and squash and table, whatever was going, whatever activity I could do. Um, so not much cycling really at all. Um, when. One of my first jobs out of college, I, I definitely tried to commute by bike in Dublin, but didn't really know about it for as a, you know, as a sport, as racing, um, certainly not for women anyway. Um, we had our own stars in Ireland, so, and so we knew of Sean Kelly and Stephen Roach, and I knew cycling from that, but um, yeah, and then I moved to New York and, and, and didn't really find a sport for a while. It was kind of that in-between period where I was just kind of focused on career and went to the gym or ran but but left volleyball behind because um the people the volleyball players in the u.s are a lot taller than me so it was um you know and anyone i tell here ask you know what position did i play and i'm like i'm not a setter i was a hitter but anyway i went i think i went to one club in new york and they were all towering so i was like okay time to find something else <laughs> Um, but yeah, I found, I guess, cycling a little bit in New York through some friends um, that uh, were doing it and, and just yeah, started and, and actually started with um, triathlon. So I think, Catherine, that's your, your background, right? Yes, I came to cycling through triathlon. Yeah, so doing it in New York City. But I did buy a mountain bike first um, for whatever reason and rode a mountain bike around Prospect Park in, in Brooklyn. Um, but some guys were, came up to me and were like, you look pretty strong. You might want to think about getting a road bike <laughs> and be on the road. Uh, cause obviously there's not great access to trails uh, when you live in New York city, um, unless you want to get out of the city. So, 
so I eventually got a road bike and, and yeah, started in triathlon um, for a few years. And it wasn't really till I, I started to get a little introduced to road racing in New York, but I didn't really kind of start it until I moved to California in, um, in 2006. Had you been a swimmer in Ireland or did nope. you pick that up too? No, okay. I actually, the reason, no, I was a terrible swimmer. Um, and Most in, athletes are when they yeah, start. Yeah. <laughs> But the, I did go from like being back of the pack, like barely able to finish um, anything to like mid pack, but that's as good as I was ever gonna get. Um, so that was fun, that challenge. But yeah, since I left triathlon, I've also left swimming and never never do it anymore. So, um, but uh, yeah, so moving to, to California was when I, I met just really great people out here. Um, it was actually, a lot of women, I met I rode with guys, but I met a, a group of women who were starting their own uh, racing team here. It was called Dolce Vita, it was a club. Um, it was a men's and women's club, but the the women were focused on on the racing and I really didn't know anything about it. So, um, but as soon as I kind of connected with them and, and got to um, talk to them about it and figure out, and they're like, you should, you should totally quit that triathlon stuff and, and, and just go bike racing. Um, so uh, I was training, I think, for Coeur d'Alene and uh, got a, a running injury. So that kind of pushed it forward too. And it was the right move. I was like, well, I respect what triathletes do and everything. I, they just much more enjoy bike racing. So um, yeah, so that's how I started with the Dolce Vita team. And um, there was a lot of pro female cyclists in the Bay Area at the time too that I became friendly with. Um, so then I discovered, oh, this is actually a, you know, people do it professionally. And bear in mind, like, hmm? who were some Sorry. of those women in that in that that you were riding with and, oh, yeah. and connecting with? Uh, Kat Carroll. Um, she raced on um, on Aaron's and Tipco and that for years. Uh, Brenda Lyons um, was in the area. Um, People used to come here too, like Rachel Heal used to come and stay here, so I'd meet her. Um, Chrissy Reuter, I met her. Um, then there was Brooke Miller in the South Bay, and um, yeah, it's kind of a hotbed of cycling out here in Northern California. So, um, so yeah, just riding with them and hearing their stories and their encouragement, really. They were like, you know, very much like, you should stick with this, like you're, you're, you're doing really good. and. Um, and yeah, then it all of a sudden became something that I was really into and, and thought I could do something with <laughs> from nothing, right? From like having no idea that the sport existed. So, um, but yeah, when I did my like first race, it was a criterium and I think it was in a, you know, like they are here in a car park or, or something and, and went for all the preems and ended up winning the race and it got like stack loads of like stuff <laughs> sunglasses or helmets or you know gift certificates and i was like whoa this is this is fun i'm getting you know all this swag as well so but um i mean bear in mind i was uh, i was in my early 30s when i started um wow so i had a, a career in finance in new york and, and san francisco for before all that um so yeah, I was yeah definitely coming to it late um, compared to a lot of people. So. Wow, I think it's really wow. encouraging to hear how so many women were lifting you up in that process. Mm -hmm. 
um, to me, it's, I mean, I hope that's what we're doing. Um, you know, come as a, as a minority player in the competitive side of this, um, it's great to hear that you had help and, um, role models that were actually encouraging you. And, you know, I think Ali Tetrick says it, you know, straightening your crown, making sure that you were doing well and, and, and um, pushing yourself forward and felt confident to do that. I, I love hearing that for sure. Yeah, it was a pretty cool time. And I'll have to, I was, Taylor and my wife, we were riding recently up in an area where I went on a, a training camp with this group. And, um, and I was telling her about it. And this, you know, it's a long time ago now. But I have such good memories of it because it was like we went away for the weekend on this camp with this group of women. And I just remember loving it so much, right? That we were, um, obviously we were socializing as well, cooking together and having meals, but out riding all day. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really, it just, I found kind of my place um, with all of them. Um, and uh, I remember telling her, but at that time, you know, I was still pretty new because we, we were going up this climb and we had those, uh, uh, what do you call them? What the cows don't like? the greats. Oh, the, cattle guards. Cattle yeah. guards. And I get off my bike because I didn't know how to ride over it. <laughs> so I was telling her that story. <laughs> oh my God, I love that considering how, how much you absolutely crushed Dirty Kansas last year and the number of cattle guards that you had to ride over and what the terrain was like. That's whole... You walked the cattle guards? The cattle guards. I was so scared that my bike, you know, the wheel was going to go in. <laughs> I freaking love that. Yeah. Everybody has to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, with that too, like in the same story, when I lived in New York, um, what was it? I don't know. Oh yeah, when we came out here, right? It's really hilly here. And I didn't, I didn't have any skills when I came out here. And uh, there's a, in New York, when I rode in Central Park, there's, there isn't a hill, but New Yorkers think there's a hill. And I thought it was a hill at the time too. And the downhill, um, like I was pretty terrified of that too. And and we were in New York one year and Taylor was, somebody was telling her, oh, Olivia was a terrible descender. She couldn't even descend that hill in Central Park. And Taylor went and rode it and she was like, I didn't see a hill. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, no, we all start somewhere for sure. And uh and, and progress and yeah and I learned to descend my bike out in California where there are a lot more hills. You know. So this might be a dumb question but so did you actually take your pro card in cycling? Or yeah. Did you, so, okay, or did uh, you okay. thought, like there's a lot of terms in pro cycling that I don't know just because. <laughs> I guess they don't use that term but yeah I mean I um, kind of race went through the ranks and um, in California and then uh, started racing more nationally. Um, and then you get picked up by the, the professional teams. So um, I probably was my first year professional, I think was 2009 or 10, something like that. So, um, so that's how it works. Um, and the, at that time, like I was working full time in finance in a job in, in San Francisco, um, I really, didn't I was kind of over that in my career but kind of we're not over it but trying to find something else I wasn't satisfied I wasn't happy I hated the long hours I didn't want to continue it 
I had found bike racing. I was really enjoying it, but like I was working super long hours and trying to train and race at the same time and something had to give. And so in the end I was like, well, I'm just going to quit my job and figure something out and take, take a go at this. So clearly it was, you know, um, especially domestic uh, racing, you know, professional women are not paid that well here. Um, they're um, in, in the European circuit, much better obviously those issues there too but anyway yeah it was a big how did you make it from like a full-time career into bike racing where women are paid yeah literally peanuts <laughs> I mean I was in a fortunate position because I had a career and had savings and um, just kind of wanted to use the time to figure out what I wanted to, to do like take a hold of this right now and go go with it and see how far I can take it and, and then see what happens afterwards. So, um, yeah, it was not on a livable cycling wage, but I had enough, um, in reserve to be able to support myself for a few years. So I love that because I feel like it seems easy sometimes to follow your dreams when you're in your twenties, <laughs> but then when you leave like a career and, and just to, to say it's okay to take that risk and not everybody can, like a lot of people have, situations where they have families or they have things that they have to support but to say it's really okay to not follow the career path if you have a dream you want to follow um yeah. and um, <laughs> um something else the cat just came back um, yeah. well I think it's like you know you grow up I mean I grew up with the you go to college and you get a job and you get a um you know you stick with that career but you know, I found I was not, I was certainly not happy in it and realized it was, it's not what I wanted to do. Not, and I didn't want to waste, continue to waste time in something um, that I wasn't going to stick with long-term. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It's not, it's not that easy to make that decision, but at the same time, obviously happiness is way more important than money. So. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. (laughs) So you, I mean, you spoke a little bit of it, but, but, and, and we kind of talked a little bit about this before we came on and started recording, but we were talking about um, the documentary Half the Road, um, which as, as early as that, I mean, it doesn't seem like it was that many years ago and I know things have changed, but you hear some of those statistics from that and it's just, it's overwhelmingly lopsided how women have been treated. Um, what I'm curious, because I think as, as we're going through all of these tumultuous times that we're going through, how did you manage that um, personally, like seeing what your male counterparts maybe were earning versus what the women were earning for the same amount of work, really? Yeah, I mean, it continues to be a, a very important topic. Um, and while uh, women's cycling has, has made... Um, huge strides, especially in the last few years. Um, you know, that documentary, while it may seem old, it isn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, I, I, at the, yeah, we, we definitely felt it completely unfair. Um, and, um, you know, related to a lot of stuff in the world in terms of um, how women are, have not been uh, treated equally and 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 that continues now obviously with uh, people of color too 
Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, <laughs> the, the the state things were in, yeah, even, you know, not just in cycling, but in 20 years ago with women or 30 years ago with women, it's just horrendous, to be honest. And it's when you watch documentaries or re-look at history, it's, um, yeah, it's just hard to believe. But thankfully, I mean, the foot is on, on, on the gas right now with, with improving. I'm, I'm obviously I've been retired since 2015. And um, so, but with Taylor's career, I, I'm pretty connected with everything. Um, and I'm a big fan of women's cycling and, and racing and very much a, an advocate for continued um, improvement. But, you know, like the steps where like Trek Segafredo is her team now compared to, you know, the teams of your past. That's, I think that's what shows there's such a, a bigger commitment now and a recognition that, well, yes, we're doing the same amount of work. People are they're as talented, but also that people want to watch it and, and want to see it. And it's extremely exciting. I mean, um, and, and people didn't really know that years ago, but, but only because they had no way to see it. Um, they had no way to see it. That's a, I think that's the key part is that I've heard that like, well, people don't want to watch the women's race. I'm like, have you had the chance to watch the women's race? Yeah. It's exciting. It's always know? like a focus for, you know, people who have been on the front lines with this. It's like, get it in front of people and then it'll solve all the, solve a lot of these problems, right? Because then the sponsors will come in and then it gets raised up. Um, well, we've had that. We've seen it at, at Dirty Kanza. The women's race often has outshone the men's race. Um, well, yeah. And, and, and to like, look at that a little bit, right? The, the popularity now of this, of this, that kind of racing and how both men and women can continue to earn uh, or, or have an avenue post pro cycling is kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the attention on it, I mean, I had obviously last year was my first time doing it um, and I'd been following it before that, but I was, had always chosen to go to Lost and Found because it was closer and we would follow it at Lost and Found once we had service, but but the I I guess firsthand realized the popularity of it last year, and the broad popularity, not just all the people there, but all the people that were actually following this race around the world. It's hilarious. I mean, I got so many messages. Yeah, um, Catherine should ask you about your race at Dirty Kansas last year. <laughs> oh well, I want to know about your race at Dirty Kansas last year, then. Oh, it's a long story. Come on, Chrissy, you can. <laughs> you crushed it. Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, to be honest, it's this amazing event. Really, really cool. Um, as I said, I hadn't gone before and went, went, and and didn't really know what to expect, except I knew it would be painful, um, and it was tremendously. <laughs> But a wonderful environment, wonderful atmosphere, um, just so many stories on race day. Um, but I also was working uh, was for Velocia there at the expo. And that was really fun because I got to meet so many different people. Mm-hmm. I got to understand like how important it was in the area or in the Midwest or, you know, because people from Kansas or Southern states and that, that all common, it was their kind of goal for the year or their event for the year and they've been coming for so many years and maybe they start with a shorter distance and work up or um so it was because on race day if you only if you're only there on race day and you're only racing 
you may not get to interact as much with everyone. So I really enjoyed just kind of talking to people and getting kind of their backgrounds and their story about why they were there and why they keep coming back and, and that. So that was a really fresh part outside of the racing for me. You are being like so humble. <laughs> there, I mean, honestly, like there's two things to me that were so rad about having you there. For one, Velocio is, I mean, it's a higher price point of a product, right? Um, but I loved women and men of all shapes and sizes getting to try on the Velocio product, realizing like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, this is why you invest a little bit of money in these garments. And, um, you know, I, ad <laughs> I adore that. I love the inclusivity that comes from a great brand like Velocio. Yeah. And I know, you know, I know it's a higher price point. So it's like, it's this little bit of a struggle there that you go back and forth with. But what the fact that you guys have your, I, I sound like a Velocio commercial right now, but that you well, have your three days. The premium product, right? But the once, right. People, once people put it on and then realize the quality and realize how comfortable it is, um, you know, they're going to essentially, they're fine with paying it because they don't have to replace it as quickly as they would have to right. replace it. Yeah. And and you have the 30 day fit guarantee, which is to me yeah. is like a game changer. Because you it's are like, a commercial. <laughs> I know, but it's because I love it so much. And I think I, I just, I love, I love so many things about Velocio, but a part of it is the fit. But the other part of it is just like the fact that they're not, yes, it's catering to a racer, a higher end market, whatnot, but it's also readily available for your everyday cyclist that's just trying to get started on the bike. And you can tell them, this is an investment that you make that if you don't like it after 15 days, you can send it back. You won't, but you can. Yeah. So that's the, that's the Velocio piece and, and, and Olivia being there. They to try like, it on. They, they just feel so much better. And, and to be honest, yeah. look, look a lot better because of yeah. the compression and, and support. But some of my favorite moments were like, cause we, we used Tim's, Tim's trailer, which is super cute or Tim and Christie's trailer. And I had so many women in there showing them cause we have like a fry, a fly free, uh, functionality where you just pull down your your that's great recipe anywhere right but people sometimes don't understand you know they don't necessarily get straight away how it works mm -hmm. so i was like just put them on and let's go through it and then i get them to be in the dressing room bend over and pull it down and they're like oh changes everything <laughs> you don't have to get naked but you do yeah. not have to get naked you show your bum that's it yeah that's that's it. It. Was fun and everybody has those. Have the first, you see the first experience that someone goes through with that. Yeah. 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 But, but the second part is Olivia was winning Dirty Kanza. Yeah. Um, till what, the last maybe 20 miles? Uh, no, I think it was more like 40 or so. But well, still. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I may be wrong, but I think like five flats in the last 40 miles or something like that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I she was, was crushing it. The second uh, or the last aid station or whatever, I was up by a lot of time. But yeah, then any daughter, that's caught up with me. Um, yeah, I mean it was. Uh, it was exciting. I I, ha I didn't go into. I always when I go on the start line, I'll always perform what I have in terms of like. I didn't have any pressure on myself. It was no external pressure. I was just there. I was going to race as hard as I could in terms of how well I felt or any of that. So 
Um, and, and that's just kind of how I show up for these things. So I don't have a lot of time to really, you know, focus in on, on, on trying to be super competitive with all of them. But anyway, um, so I just didn't know how it, it went, but it does benefit when you can ride at the front, you know, and through all the chaos and that kind of thing. And, and we, I mean, other women I was with, um, uh, Sarah, was it? Yeah, Sarah and, and um, God, I'm blanking on names. Um, Steamboat. Amity Ch Amy Charity. Amy Charity, like the three of us were together and stuff. And, and you know, both of them succumbed to flats. And, and then I, I survived and was ahead and continued and had good luck for a long time. Um, but then, yeah, eventually got, it caught up with me too. Um, and then, but when I was leading, I was like, oh my God, okay, here we go. Suffer, suffer, suffer. Um, and it was so hot, like it really was. And I had the worst, I get foot pain, especially when it's hot. So I had, I had a lot of pain as well. Um, but yeah, then you, it was motivating to be leading and, and, um, and exciting. So, and when I flatted, you know, it, it is what it is and and then just had issues trying to get it fixed and that's why i had to stop multiple times to to try and fix it and I put in a tube and the tube went flat and all of that but then you know each woman passed me like from to ellie tetrick and amity and um so i was counting down okay well now i'm i think it was in by the time i fixed everything and got rolling and i think i was in sixth so but i was able to to catch uh, I think it was Amanda. And, and yeah, Amanda. The fifth in the end. Um, but that was just here. Like, I want to be done with this. It was just like, get me to the finish line. And I'll never forget Christy there. And I was like, that. And Ali Tedrick was there. And I said, Ali, why do you keep doing this? This is awful. This is the worst thing I've ever done. And then Christy was like, oh, Olivia, you'll be back. You'll be back. <laughs> Were you signed up this year before COVID? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, Christy's trying to convince me that this is a good idea. And I'm like, I don't think that this it is, it is, is a good idea. It is a good idea, Catherine. It's, it's a, a good idea. idea. It's a very good idea. Um, so speaking of Velocio, there's kind of two different things I want to ask you about. But since we were talking about Velocio, I'll ask that first. Um, one of the things I've noticed, obviously, uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now. But I, I come from a marketing background. And I've been watching Velocio for a while. And I'm like, they... Like for a while, Velocio has been highlighting people of color and um, lots of women. This is not a new initiative that's coming out, but Velocio did, you know, announce some, was one of the first to actually announce some initiatives. Um, and I know uh, you worked in, have worked in sales with Velocio. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're yeah, I'm director. You're a small team, though. Small team, so we yeah. all do a little different. Things. Yeah, so I kind of am curious just on the brand side, like, where did that come from as you developed that brand? And, you know, what did some of that come from just your experience being a woman, female racer, like, kind of uh, create a look of equity? I think that's actually really important for brands. Yeah, I think it's basically from the start. And thank you for recognizing all of that. But the it's yeah from the start from I wasn't a co-founder um, um, but uh, I was involved in the company within the first year um, but it's yeah Brad and Andrew and, and originally Christy who who started the firm um, and our very first production was for women um, because there was nothing out there um, Brad had been designing um, kits for uh, teams and doing custom 
long time and they you know had recognized um and his wife has a racing background too um and they had recognized there's just you know there's just crap out there um and rather than continuing to try to find something good they decided to um to yeah start and do it themselves so um and so from the beginning first production was for women and then we added men um and now ever since that second production everything's been equal in terms of like the number of SKUs and products, the development, um, the marketing. Um, so from, from the very beginning, we've, we've had that. And now we're, I don't know, seven or eight years in. Um, and then I would also say, yeah, in our market, we, we featured uh, people of color as, as much as we could too. Um, um, and there's, yeah, there's lots we can still do um, um, and are, are planning to, but um, we, I don't know, I think it's been, it's fundamental to the values of the people involved. Um, we're all very aligned on, on that um, and quality broadly um, and just doing the right thing and being on the right side of things. Um, it's not hard. It's, it's not a hard, it's not a hard choice to make. It's, it's to be honest, it's, it's the way it, it's the way it should be. Um, and we're not trying to unwind. Yeah. Um, anything that we've done in the past because we've just been yeah trying to be progressive from the beginning um and uh yeah and we'll continue and we'll continue to push the envelope um in in the right direction so and i i think it's shone through with our unity projects over the years too so i love the unity projects those are so amazing yeah tell us what, about those what are those uh, yeah, every year we've we've kind of done New Jersey. Maybe this was the fourth year, um, and we just see cycling as a unifying force. Um, and everyone, you know, if you're riding the bike, it takes down all perceived barriers, uh, so to speak, right? Everybody, um, you know, men, women, your orientation, your whatever, your um, um, color or background, education, all of it. It's like everybody rides bikes and can ride bikes. So um, so the Unity Jersey kind of just highlights that, that we um, see the world through that kind of lens. Um, so each year we, it has a different focus. Um, and the first year was in really in response to the current administration coming into the election. Um, anyway, and then uh, we, all the proceeds go um, to charities that we have picked that first year. I think we gave people choice. Then the second year we did a focus on the separation of children uh, from their families at the border. And so supported a group down there. Um, and the third year was, uh, I might be skipping years. We uh, had a focus on mental illness, um, which also, you know, is very related to, uh, can be a cycling too. Um, and, um, yeah. You're not afraid to talk about the hard issues that you might lose fans over. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> no, yeah. to be honest. Um, and we, yeah, yeah, basically, no. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we're that's always, it. yeah, yeah. We, we face them head on. There's what, you know, you're going to try and anticipate what, how people are going to react to, yeah. I'm not sure how to vocalize it, but no, we feel strongly about um, basically human rights, <laughs> right? And how people are treated and, and um, yeah, we'll make a, make a stand. 
That's amazing. Yeah. I just got my first Felocio kit two weeks ago and I'm a huge fan of the product. And then, like I said, I've been following the social for a while, looking at it more through a marketing lens and have just felt like this brand seems to be connected to real people, like showing all kinds of people. I don't know. I've really appreciated it. So it's been, it's fun to talk to you about that. <laughs> and I mean, in general, we try to just, we don't try. It's just like being inclusive comes uh, naturally and um, cycling is, is so community driven. Right. And um, so like we have great ambassadors that, you know, we like to bring people on board that are very involved with their communities and, and um, that people will look to for advice or just that they want get people out on bikes. Um, and, uh, you know, the, I guess, bright side of what we've been going through lately with, with COVID has been the surge in, in more people on bikes, right? It's, um, uh, the industry is, is doing well because of it. And, but I hope that, yeah, that continues those people who normally would go to the gym are now riding bikes or, um, that they keep it in their kind of activity, but it's been really fun to see all those new people out, out there. Um, and the more, the more we can, you know, encourage and, and um, uh, the, the, the longer they'll stay. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. I have one more question that's a little bit related to this. And maybe you even thought of it when you came to Velocio and were, were helping with the brand. But as you look back from when you started cycling um, at that level, and then obviously you said you have an inside look being married to Taylor now like what are some of the things that you say okay these were my maybe foundational or key things that happened that helped elevate women's cycling um that's like deep dude i know <laughs> <laughs> i've been holding on to that one since the cat <laughs> you know i think that there's credit due to certain organizations and people out there that kept pounding away at this um um, and keeping it in the spotlight and then other people taking it on board and, you know, certain brands getting behind things. Um, we, the, the, I don't think they've been done. UCI has always been on the back foot, um, to be honest. So all they're doing is reacting to the a groundswell or like the pressure eventually. They're, they're not leading the way on this at all, um, in my opinion. <laughs> that may start, I, there's more female representation there now, but I don't know how much power they have essentially. So um, um, I think some of the thing, I, I don't know if it'll answer your question really, but the the depth of like the European Peloton like has been growing more and more. So this, um, uh, the, the, yeah, the depth throughout the field, but then at the top level, you know, it used to be certain riders dominated um, but now there's so many riders out there that can win. So that adds to the excitement. Um, but it's really the, as things got um, on TV or on more like live, the live stream, um, as that started to, to be out there, I think that's where, you know, that's how things have improved. It's, as we said earlier, it's fundamental. So to anything, um, as long as, because sponsors want visibility. Um, but also maybe, you know what, um, social media, I think has helped because the, the women's Peloton is full of great personalities. Um, it's full of like really educated women and yeah, interesting people. 
and they're all good at telling their story out there. Um, and I don't mean to, it's not in criticism of the men or anything, but they, they, they don't have to do it as much, to be honest, probably, right? They're, they're on way bigger salaries, but um, yeah, I think the women engage, the female cyclists engage with the fans and their supporters in a real and authentic way. And they, so that starts to build too, the fan base starts to build and they hear more and more about it. So um, yeah. I don't that makes sense. I mean, even the, the, the pros that we've talked to within Gravel, like Allie and Amity and, um, they're very interested in engaging with people. Like they really mm -hmm. want to talk to people and talk to women. And um, even after we posted on our podcast, like reach out to Amity. She was like, yeah, a ton of people reached out to me and people were like, she was so generous with her time to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a really good point. They are yeah. fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can see even at the, at the top levels in Europe, whatever, and your Marianne Voss is super engaging and um, you know, um, all of them really are they uh, are really great ambassadors for the sport and then yeah on the gravel side for sure um uh, those great personalities and, and yeah, I think yeah. well be. i mean i think i could talk to you olivia forever but i want i know we need to kind of start wrapping up but i did want to um address you and taylor did your own dyi diy gravel dk we did. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was amazing. Started, um, yeah, obviously Ted came, started that DIY gravel and, and I jumped on to do like a Belgian waffle ride. No, I did Rasputitsa and did Belgian waffle ride. And did I do another one? And then um, like obviously Taylor isn't racing at the moment and um, Trek were generous enough to, cause she really, she has a mountain bike, but like we were doing these big adventures and I'm in my moots and, and she's on a mountain bike. And well, that's fair anyway, because she's faster, <laughs> but really wanted to try like get a gravel bike and trek um, centered the checkpoint. Um, so then like, that was great. Cause we had these, you know, super fun adventures and she was really, really into it. Um, and then they were like, Oh, well, I had not planned to do DK. I was like, all right, Belgian waffles enough because we live, you know how many much elevation there is here yeah. in our dirt? So it's really hard to figure out like how you would actually do it. Um, and so I, I wasn't planning to do DK. I was like, it's enough to do that in the race and just leave it. But then Trek were like, uh, asked ask Taylor to do it. So she was like, you know, will you do, will you do a, a DIY or do on that day? So then, so then we had, we had to, but it was super fun. Like the planning of it and the, um, it's, I know if you're not familiar with this area, but like the route we cho chose was pretty cool because we went north. So it was all Marin and Sonoma and we took in a lot of the classic dirt art. So we called them sectors, dirt sectors, because there's no way you can ride 200 miles of gravel. It would take like 48 hours here with all the elevations. So, um, but yeah, and in the end it was super fun. And I felt a lot, a lot. Um, I mean, we didn't have, we had perfect weather, so it wasn't too hot. We had some friends that surprised us on the on the route with like sandwiches, which was just oh, that's like awesome the, the best. And uh, yeah, we rolled into town in Fairfax at like 10 p.m. at night, and we were short a mile. We were at 199. Oh. <laughs> we did a lap of town at like 10 p.m. at night before uh, before we finished to round it off. So, um, but I was also like riding it. I haven't done much riding at night. 
and we had lights because we thought it might be a chance that we would end up oh my god it's so amazing like it's amazing so, right you just like it's so peaceful and calm yet you feel like you're going fast and yeah it was um it was it was cool to do it and to do it together it was yeah it's great is dk in our future too is it in her future <laughs> I think the likelihood is more now after her right all this time on gravel if he said it to her six months ago no but she's really into it um i think the yeah just coming from a road bike to a gravel bike is uh it's, it's almost easier than going from road bike to a mountain bike like if you're a primarily a road biker, oh, yeah. switch to mountain so so she's a natural on on it so um yeah. You could be our first wife-wife team at DK. Ooh, look at that. That'd be kind of rad. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea too. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today and just talking with us and sharing all your insights. I've really enjoyed this. I could pick your brain on how Felicio developed their brand for another 45 <laughs> minutes because <laughs> I'm so fascinated by these things. Um, but well, where call me, call me anytime we can talk. Oh She's super available. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't give like, if you give me your phone number, you might regret it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, but, uh, tell us, is there a place for people that people can find you on social or how can they find Velocio if they want to go immediately buy these awesome bibs that you can pee in? Uh, yeah, Velocio is at uh, V-E-L-O-C-I-O.cc. Uh, you can see everything there. I'm just Olivia Dill um, on, on Instagram. Um, that's mostly where I'm at. Don't do the others too much. But um, yeah. And if we see and you guys on the booth, we will probably see you there, right? At where? At an event. If there's oh, a yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, we're building out our events team, but I, I will definitely still be participating in all of that. So once the world returns to some yeah. tomorrow, please happen. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I have to cut you off. You were saying something. I was saying once the, you know, hopefully the world returns to normal and all the events will, will take shape again next year. But I was going to say, I don't, because my life is cycling and I ride so much and I, um, uh, work in it and everything i try and i don't often listen to cycling podcasts because i just need to listen to something else the only ones i listen to are by women though so i will add girls gone gravel to my list um so i listen to abby mickey's one on um which is more on the women's racing side and then anna grace and annalisa on the we got to hang out so nice so there go. i will add you guys and listen thank to all you the i appreciate it all right. Well, thank you again for your time today. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listing platform. Our producer is Taylor Mahan Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. <laughs>